Good morning. This is Mary Christopher, and this is our Sunday meditation. I hope that you have had a good week, um, and that you've had, <laughs> hopefully, a, a restful and uh, fun, some fun this weekend. Fun helps, right? Fun helps us get through get through the days that are tough and fun also helps us be more creative and productive. Studies have shown this, just in case you're wondering. This isn't just me uh, going on about fun. There are studies that uh, play, especially uh, play, helps us be more creative in throughout our life, in all the areas of our life, and more productive, partly because there's more flow. And there's, there's a book out that I read years ago, I, have, I still have it, it's called Flow, and it's, uh, the, I cannot pronounce the author's name, I apologize. Um, it's, it's long, and it's Polish or Hungarian, I, I don't, Anyway, good book. It's all about flow. And flow is not just for musicians and major athletes and, you know, it's, it's just, it's for everybody. It's a state that we can all have. And part of it is connected to us doing the things we love to do. And there is also a book that I'm reading now that is, the title is just Play. Okay, so we've got flow and we've got play and play enhances flow. So um, I'm reading play right now and what is is really fascinating is that children play they don't have to be taught to play okay they they just do that and sometimes you know we want to say you know stop fiddling with the the stuff in the car like all the buttons and things uh, because they're just, that's how they learn. They play, and most children are very tactile, and we know that little children are always popping things in their mouth to discover if they're edible or not. And, of course, some of the things they pop in their mouths are not edible at all, right? Um, so bringing children up through that intense period of learning and play and curiosity and adventure and <clears throat> research uh, is is a major piece of work for parents. And thank goodness, right? Um, we make it through that for the most part, yes. And I'm sure that uh, I loved to climb trees when I was growing up. I still love to be in trees, but when I was growing up, I 
I, I took climbing trees as, as a challenge and as an adventure, and I would get up into a tree and kind of snuggle myself in and watch the world around me. I mean, it was a great observation spot. And then oftentimes I'd find a place where if people weren't looking, they couldn't see me, like if they weren't specifically looking for me. So I would have these little observation spots that I like to go into sometimes. So I hope, this is why I hope, that that you're able to get some play and some fun into your daily schedule or your daily activities. Whatever it is that is fun for you. So two weeks ago for meditation class, I asked the question, what are you doing for fun this week? Hoping to encourage people in class to think about what can I do for fun this week. I mean, even even if it's 10 or 15 minutes. And, and people were, you know, most of the people in class are already doing things that are fun for them. And one of the reasons that I was asking this question is that most of us are very responsible adults or we're trying to be very responsible adults. And the world is so difficult right now. It's just so difficult that, it, you know, it, <clears throat> it often makes us try even harder to be responsible or to make a difference or what, whatever our response is when the world is having great difficulty. So then what we asked last week, the question I posed last week is what is it that you love to do? So it's a similar question, just slightly different. But the the direction that it takes us is to our heart. So what is it that you love to do? And it may be something, it may be something that you're not doing. Maybe you think you don't have time. Maybe you think that you haven't done enough. <laughs> you haven't been responsible enough to do this thing or that um, you, there's just no way to squeeze it into your life or, right? But there's always a way. There's always a way. Um, and, and often I say this, because often the things we love to do are, when you break it down, it's pretty simple. Or there's a way to start that's simple. Um, and most of us are, are um, what we love to do is not on the level of I want to be a professional baseball player, okay? Or I want to be a chess master, or I want to be a master chef in the 
best restaurant in Los Angeles, right? It's not at that level. It's There are things that we love to do. I know people who just love to cook for their families. They love that. They, Their families and their friends. And I know people who love to sew for their families and their friends. I had uh, friends who made uh, masks for me. Sewed. I mean, they went, they went, they had material. Or they bought material. And they bought special material to line the mask. And they got in amazingly amazingly creative and I got these beautiful wonderful masks which I I still use I mean they're they're great plane going over as you can tell boy this one's kind of low so it's noisy um and and there are people who can cook and they they love to cook for their families and their friends. So one of the people in meditation class, um, who's a really good cook, made tortilla soup and gave me a big jar of it. And my son was flying in and coming to visit and he flew in late and like on late on Friday. And we got back to the house and um, like it was kind of late to get a hamburger on the way and we were tired and I'd had no idea what I could throw together at the house besides bacon and eggs, right? Or something like that. And we got back and there was this jar of tortilla soup, chicken tortilla soup. And so we we heated that up and we ate the the whole thing and it was it just was perfect absolutely perfect and there are people in the world who know how to put love into the food they make and, and another good friend of mine makes cornbread it's a family recipe. It's real simple. And it just... It's amazingly good. It's just wonderful. So, my... And, and she makes it because she loves to make it. She just loves to do that. Okay? And there are people who just love to work with wood. So they, they make things for people. Or there are people who just love to paint and they make these wonderful pictures for people the, they're not going to wind up in the National Museum but they their artwork brings joy to people and it helps people remember that somebody thought about them somebody cared about them and that is one of the most sustaining experiences that we can have. Um, so an example of this would be that 
so many of the the people who are homeless and we know that so many of them have um they're they're struggling with mental and emotional distress okay and we also know that a great many of the people who are homeless are veterans and this was so true after vietnam or you know even before vietnam was over so the other characteristic uh, for homeless people is that often they don't have any family anymore all their family is gone and they don't have any friends who will take them in and give them even a sofa to sleep on and part of the reason is is that sometimes these people are very difficult I mean they it's true they're very difficult so you know we're getting better and better and better at taking care of the homeless and I mean ever since there have been human communities it, this has been a struggle of how to take care of people who don't have a family or who are just not in mental or emotional balance so my point is that when we do things and share things that let people know that they are are thought about that they are cherished that they are cared for it makes a huge difference in their life and of course it makes a difference in our lives because we're working from that wonderful place in our heart where we can share so we're building community we're building actually flow okay and the thing to remember here is that the energetic field of the heart okay and we can measure these things now right we can do that the energetic field of the heart is 5000 times stronger than the energetic field of the brain oh my gosh so when i was growing up the brain was the thing i mean your your intelligence your sat score your iq i mean that was it that was the thing and now we find out that oh my gosh the energetic field and the power of the, of our heart is 5000 times greater than the energetic field of the brain and the intelligence of our heart is more reliable than the intelligence of our brain and i'm not discounting the function or the intelligence or the amazing ability of our brains i'm not discounting that at all but <laughs> the the field of our heart is 5000 times stronger okay so this takes us back to what is it that you love to do? And that was our question week before last in class. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good question. And if we ask that question 
and and start to get a feel for or begin to remember what it is we love to do and then we act on that right it brings more joy into our lives it's we're we move into a place where life has more meaning that's a good thing that's a good thing so that's what we're working on in class in case you were wondering and um, the other thing I wanted to mention today um, one of the things I like to do is I like to read historical fiction and I discovered an author by the name of Charles Todd who writes good mysteries you know English mysteries and the the one I'm reading right now is set during World War One, and toward the end of World War One, as some of you know, um, we had the Spanish influenza come through, um, and it just wiped people out. I'm, I'm just it just took people out it went through the army it went through the navy it went through it w- and according to what they knew at the time it originated in Spain like I'm not sure that that's 100% accurate but that it became known as the Spanish flu and it was a lung it got to people's lungs they couldn't breathe and there was very little very little that they could do to save people or ease their suffering and in some cases all they could do is just sit and hold someone's hand while they died just trying to get their next breath okay so um, years ago when I was probably grade school middle school my dad took me to this small cemetery out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. And it was close to where my grandparents homesteaded in Oklahoma. And he, there, were fam, there were family members buried there. And he, just, he went to check on the cemetery and wanted me to see it because it was a piece of our family history. And... Um, we walked around and he pointed out different graves to me and I began to notice that they all said like 1917, 1918, right? And my dad said these people died, these people in our family died of the Spanish flu. And we went to one particular set of graves and it was a young woman and a very young child and my dad said this he told me who it was and he said she had a, an infant and they both died of the flu and my dad just stood there and he was he couldn't say anything and he'd been a young man during during this you know this time when the spanish flu ripped through the world Um, and he couldn't say anything uh, because they'd lost these people from the family and most of these people died at home 
Um, and my dad had a number of brothers and sisters. And at one point during this time, uh, my dad and his mother were the only people still standing in their family. Everybody else was sick. And his mother sent my dad across the street to check on a, an older couple who lived there. And back then, people had gardens and chickens in their backyard. <clears throat> and the both the people across the street, of course, were in bed trying to take care of themselves. And my, you know, my mom, my grandmother was trying to help. And the old man who was there, the elderly man, told my dad to go into the backyard, get a chicken, and kill it, and take it over to his mother who would make chicken soup for everybody. Okay. So my dad said I, he'd never killed a chicken before because he was a young guy. And so he said, I managed to do it. He said, I'm not sure how I did it, but I managed to get it done. And Mama made chicken soup, and he took the soup back. To, and so everybody else that I know of in my dad's family lived, and apparently the folks across the street made it. But my point here is that at that time, those people throughout the world would have given anything, anything for what we have now to deal with this virus and its mutations. They didn't have oxygen. They didn't have antibiotics. They, 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 had, they didn't have vaccines. They would have given anything to have one tiny bit of what we have today to care for people. And they would have given anything for anything like a vaccine to, to stop it. Um, so a lot of what we have today to deal with this COVID pandemic, we have because of the prayers and the, the deep need that came out of the Spanish flu period. So just remember that. Um, we tend to get all fired up one way or the other about things. Um, and I know there are conspiracy theories floating around everywhere. They're everywhere. And I just want to remind you that the problem with conspiracy theories is anybody who believes anything can make up a conspiracy theory. It is very difficult to fact-check conspiracy theories or conspiracy stories. It is very difficult. And they play on people's fears for the most part. There are very few conspiracy theories that play on our hopes and dreams. But they play on our fears. And in this time in our world, we we need to be working from facts 
not fear-based theories. And of course there's going to be some truth in conspiracy theories. That's what makes them work. There's a, a bit of truth in there. But we got to be really smart about this. And we need to realize that so much of what we have today to deal with COVID, the people in the late 1900s, in the, the 19... 18, 1918, and when the, during the Spanish flu, they would have given anything for what we have. And even with what we have, sometimes we, we just can't make a difference for people. So, um, keep your, your prayers going that all of us on the planet can move through this time, that we can get through this with a little more gracefulness and creativity and productivity and less angst and hatred and anger, okay? We don't need that. It's not healthy. It's, it's not helping, okay? So... This week, this week, what are you going to do for fun? Or what is it that you love to do that maybe you're not doing so much anymore? Or maybe it's something you haven't done for years, but you love to do it. Maybe it's something really simple like you just love to fish or you love birds, or you love butterflies, um, or you love to doodle, just give yourself some time and some opportunity this week to do that. Remember, studies have shown, okay, studies have shown that we are more productive, we are more creative when we have fun and play in our lives. So, I've droned on. Okay, let's take a few minutes and do a little breath work and find our stillness. See if we can find our stillness. So wherever you are, I hope you're comfortable. I'm in the woods, I'm very comfortable, the air is fresh, very still today, very still, very quiet here, you can hear some traffic in the background. So let's take two or three minutes and just Wherever we are, find that stillness within ourselves. And if you're inside, just imagine that you're right here in the woods with me. Or you're in your favorite place in nature. And you're safe. It's 
quiet. You can hear some bugs. Now bring your awareness to your breath. Be aware of the air moving into your lungs, down into the very bottom of your lungs. Now, as you breathe out, follow your breath from the bottom of your lungs. all the way out to the space all around you. And when you're comfortable with your breath, Feeling centered, calm, and bring your attention to your heart. Feel the rhythm. And remember that your heart is pumping life-giving blood through your whole body. Amazing. And let yourself just rest right there. with your heart and that rhythm even if the rhythm of your heart isn't perfect just be grateful for it and we'll just rest right there for a few minutes
Now as you breathe in, following your breath, be aware of how calm you are. And as you breathe out, following your breath out into the space all around you, Be aware of how at ease you are with yourself. And be aware of any stillness that you're feeling. On your in-breath, be aware of that stillness. And as you breathe out, very gently, very gently, when you're ready, open your eyes. So that whole little sequence there took about five minutes, a little over. And the lovely thing about paying attention to your breath and to your heart is that it's something we can do almost anywhere, anytime. We don't always have to go to the woods or the beach or the lake or the stream or we have our imagination and we can do that and when we take a little time two or three times during the day we build that in to our day we build that into our lives and it can be very healing for us. So have a wonderful week. Take really good care of yourself. Have some fun and remember to breathe. Great.